Well, we are continuing our series on heaven. In the past few weeks, we've talked about heaven. We've talked a number of different points about heaven. The first one being that heaven is a real place. It's actually a physical location that the Bible talks about. The second week, we talked about what it takes to get there. What's going to happen? What is there when we're there? Heaven is permanent. And lastly, a part of week two is who's going to be with us in heaven, which gives us the burden to share the gospel of Christ with those we know. In the third week, we talked about instantly upon the minute you close your eyes, you're in the presence of Jesus, escorted there by angels and greeted when you arrive. And last week or two weeks ago, we talked about things you're going to do while you're there. You're going to have a job. And people who are retired say, but the thing is, when you're in heaven, we're going to talk about that today, is you don't get tired in heaven. You don't get worn out. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that, what we, our bodies, are going to be like while we're there. Now, one of my favorite shows when I was in high school was Six Million Dollar Man. How many remember that show? Bionic woman, and actually they had a bionic dog, you know, so. And if you don't know the show, it's a premise, you know, people were, had their legs replaced with robotic parts, which made them kind of like superhuman. So that was the premise of the show. And in the 70s, that was straight science fiction, you know. However, today, Wired Magazine has a story entitled, Could We Soon Upgrade Our Bodies? Extreme Bionics Will Create Modular Superhuman Beings. So it's in the works. 3D printers, how many have heard of 3D printers? They are making replacement parts for your body. Replacement kidneys, organs, just printing them. Go figure. A drug that is common today, metformin. How many have heard of the drug metformin? Metformin. That has been shown in testing to slow down the aging process. How about that? A professor, Gordon Lithgow, says this could lead to an aging vaccine, which when given to young people could increase their lifespan by 50%. How many want to live to be 150? Yes. Says the guy who's 149. We talked about this in, in, in youth today. Modern science is great. Everything we have, we appreciate the science. We appreciate the medicine. Uh, and, you know, all of these attempts are worthy, and we're trying to eliminate any physical hindrances that we have, kind of to perfect our bodies as much as possible. But no matter how much science progresses, there's one fact that's always there. Our bodies are going to deteriorate, and eventually we will die. Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as man is destined to die once, and after that the face of judgment. Now, when it says die once, that eliminates any reincarnation, right? We don't believe in reincarnation. We don't come back as a dog or a cat or a tree or anything like that. You die once, you're in God's presence. And no matter how long we extend our lives, even if we live to be 150, in reality, that 150 is minuscule in comparison to eternity, right? James 4.14 says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. 1 Corinthians 7.29, Paul says, What I mean, brothers, is that time is short. All this medical science we're doing, and it's all good and it's all beneficial, but what people are searching for today is only available in heaven. Things we want to have here, we're never going to have until we get to heaven. 
We want perfect bodies. How many want a perfect body? Everybody. Everybody. Right? But God's word is pretty clear. Heaven is the only place that's going to be available to those who believe. We want perfect health. We want immortality. We want perfect bodies. But none of those are going to be available. But they will be available when we get to heaven. How many have heard of the resurrection chapter? 1 Corinthians 15 is the resurrection chapter. What will our bodies actually be like? Now, we talked a couple of weeks ago that from the time we die until the time of the rapture, we're going to have a temporary body, like a rent-a-car. We're going to have a rent-a-body in heaven for the time between those gaps from the time we're in the ground until the time that God calls us out of the ground. We're going to have a temporary body. But once that happens, we are going to be reunited again with our physical bodies. What are those bodies going to be like? Well, the first thing is we are going to have this body back. We're going to have this body. Job 19.25 says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. After my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. Isaiah 26.19, yet we have this assurance. Those who belong to God will live. Their bodies will rise again. Now, None of us have perfect bodies, so what would they be like? 1 Corinthians 15, 35, the resurrection chapter says, but someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not, become, not come to life until it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. So we will have our bodies, but in a physically perfect place. Still curious? First Corinthians 15 goes on. It's the same way for the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies, which die and decay, will be different when they are resurrected, for they will never die. Our bodies will disappoint us now, but when they are raised, they will be full of glory. They are weak now, but when they are raised, they will be full of power. They are natural human bodies now, but when they are raised, they will be spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, so also there are spiritual bodies. Now, we gave the example of a baby a couple of weeks ago. When a baby's born, it goes from being inside the mother's womb, one type of, that was their physical appearance or physical characteristics are at one place. But when they're born, their body changes. They're the same baby, but they no longer use the mother's sustenance to stay alive. They are able to breathe oxygen. You cut the cord. Their bodies are the same, but they're different when they're born. And that's how we're going to be. Our bodies are the same, but we're going to be different when we get there. Now, we mentioned earlier that we will be recognizable by other people. People will know us, recognize us. So they will know who we are. That means we must retain something about our body that others are going to know. Now, the verse, there's one verse in that 1 Corinthians chapter says, our bodies will be full of glory. And the verse literally means brilliance or a luminescent quality. In other words, we're going to glow. How about that? The same as when Moses came down from the mountain, right? He had to cover his face because he shone like, you know. and then, on the Mount of Transfiguration, they all, their bodies were there. They recognized Moses and Elijah, so they recognized them. Jesus, they all had this luminescent quality. And Matthew 13, 43 says, Then the godly will shine 
like the sun in their father's kingdom. So we're going to have a glow about us. I can, all I can think of is a pregnant woman. They say, you have a glow about you. I don't know what that is, but we're going to physically, we're going to, we're going to glow. Something about us is going to glow. But in that glowing, people are going to recognize who we are. Now, some of you know that I'm into the Marvel comic book movies. How many like the Marvel movies? There's one of them, uh, uh, Captain Marvel. Her body actually glows in the movie. And that's the kind of thing I'm, I'm just thinking. It glows, but you can still recognize who the person is. Now, when Jesus was resurrected and walked among the people for 40 days, he had a body like everybody else's. It wasn't any different. At this point, he didn't glow because I think people would have said, dude, you're glowing. But he wasn't. A physical body, everyone recognized him as just a normal human being. On the road to Emmaus with those two guys, they saw him as a normal man. They didn't recognize him as Jesus, nor did they think he was a ghost or alien or something. He had a physical body, nothing abnormal about it to draw their attention to it. So his body, after he was resurrected, was recognizable by everyone as a human being, which means our body will also be the same way. Luke 24, 37, again, talking to the guys at Emmaus. He says, why are you frightened, he asked them. Why do you doubt who I am? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he held out his hands for them to see and he showed them his feet. Now, we know that Jesus had his wounds after his his resurrection, right? He showed them to these guys on Emmaus and he showed them to Thomas. He said, look, stick your finger in here, stick your finger in my side. So his wounds were still there. I don't think that's going to be when we're in heaven. I think he did that here. Again, my opinion, the Bible doesn't say one way or the other, so I can't say one way or the other. He used that as proof to show the folks that he was, in fact, Jesus, and he was dead, and these are the wounds that were there. Now, it doesn't speak about that in heaven, so I can't address that. Now, another aspect of our bodies is it seems that our bodies are going to be able to eat. Now, how many like to eat? And I guess in heaven, you don't have to worry about what you eat. I don't know what's going to, well, we actually are going to talk a little bit about what's going to be there. Uh, Luke 24, the same uh, road to Emmaus, folks. Luke 24, 41. Still they had stood there doubting, filled with wonder and joy. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate as they watched. So it seems like you're going to have an appetite and you're going to be able to eat. Now we talked about having jobs. If you're going to eat, then we must assume that someone is going to make it for you. So we think that someone might be there to prepare it for us or we might be the ones preparing it. Again, it doesn't say that, but if there's food there, somebody's gotta make it. John 21, verse nine. This is when they were sitting around the fire at the resurrection. When they got there, they saw a charcoal fire was burning and fish were frying over it, and there was bread. Bring some of the fish you've caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net had not torn. 
Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. And no one dared ask him if he was really the Lord because they were sure of it. Then Jesus served them bread and fish. So Jesus didn't just make it appear, he prepared it for them. So we believe that someone's going to prepare it for us. Now, heaven might have different food. Remember when Israel was in the desert and God provided for them food. Psalm 78, 23. He said, then he commanded the skies to open. He opened the doors of heaven and rained down manna from them for them to eat. He gave them bread from heaven. They ate the food of angels. Maybe that is what we are going to eat when we're there. Manna from heaven. Angel food cake. <laughs> it's food of angels, right? So maybe we'll have angel food cake. Now, this reminds me of something that we did when we first got here that my wife corrected me and rebuked me about because I didn't really think about it when we did it. How many remember when we went door to door passing out cake, a cake mix and an icing just to welcome our guests? Well, the cake that I bought, because I bought it at BJ's and there was a stack of them, was devil's food cake. <laughs> Didn't think anything about it. And I said, what are you buying devil's fruit cake for? <laughs> so we probably won't have that in heaven. We'll have chocolate maybe, but not that. We will have the food of angels. Whatever that is, and we won't have to worry about counting calories or anything like that, so. No apples. No, no apples, nor no fruit, yeah. Now, in heaven, our bodies will also be indestructible. Romans 6, 9. We are sure of this because Christ rose from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. I thought about that. Are there things in your life that you don't want to do that you're fearful of? We, uh, when we took, we took, uh, we visited the Poconos a couple weeks ago and uh, we were walking along and, and Chris, my son-in-law, and I were there with a couple of the kids and we saw this zip line. And if you've been up there, it was a zip line that was almost vertical, right down to the ground. And I said, Chris, go ahead. And he said, no, I don't want to do that. Why don't you want to do that? Because you're afraid of dying, right? <laughs> you're afraid of falling off or bungee jumping or scuba diving, anything, these things you don't want to do because you're afraid to die. I was going to say race cars, but Gene races cars, so we can't leave that out. As you get older and your bodies get older, there are things that you don't do because your bodies can't take it. Anybody experience that? When you're 20, you do a lot of things that you maybe can't do when you're 40 or 50 or 60 or whatever. When I lived in Pittsburgh, if you've ever been to Pittsburgh and you know the University of Pitt, it's there, they have this building called the Cathedral of Learning. How many have ever heard of that? It's, it's real tall. It's like one big pinnacle in the center of Pittsburgh. And it's part of the university and it has no elevator in it, but it has stairs, obviously. And one of the things that they would challenge us is when we were in college was to run up the stairs for you know, a cardiac thing, run up the stairs. And we would try to run up the stairs and we'd get to the top and we'd be passing out, you know, because it was so, and that was when I was 20. Yeah, I'm not doing that today. <laughs> Why? Because 
Your bodies wear down. There's things you can't do anymore. I used to ski when I was in college. Skiing's hard on the knees. After a while, you know, you try to snowplow and you just, yeah, the knees are tough. If you're down in West Virginia, when we used to go to Florida through West Virginia, there's that big bridge that's there. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I forget what it's called, but people bungee jump off that bridge because it's so tall. No thanks. I'm good. Why? Because I'm afraid of dying, afraid of getting hurt, afraid of things, doing things that my body wasn't made to do. But the Bible says that we are raised in incorruption. Incorruption. We can't be corrupted. Sounds like it's pretty indestructible. So maybe we will be like bionic people in heaven. If we're raised in power, we won't get tired. You won't get worn out. I saw a shirt that says, uh, Jesus took naps. Be like Jesus. How many of you go home from church on Sundays and take a nap? Resting is good, right? You're not going to need to do that in heaven. In fact, we don't even know if there's sleep in heaven. There's not going to be any night. Your body's not going to wear out. You're not going to get to a point where you're tired and you have to sleep. Revelation 21, 25, talking about heaven, it says, its gates never close at the end of the day because there is no night. We wind down at night. Our bodies go into sleep mode at night, except for Lee when she works at night. You're not going to have the same limitations we have now. You may be able to do a lot of things now, but everyone has limitations of physically what we're able to do. But in heaven, you're not going to have those limitations. Imagine working all day long and never once getting tired, never once needing a break. There's another thing I'm excited to see about heaven. Are we going to be able to beam around heaven? or walk through walls. John 20, verse 19 says, that evening on the first day of the week, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, and suddenly, Jesus was standing in their midst. So either he walked through a wall, but it sounds like he just kind of beamed right in. Are you going to be able to just jump from point to point to point in heaven? If, you're not, if you don't get tired, you could probably walk it. But that's going to be cool. And the last thing is, think about this. And this is probably most exciting to me. Right now, we're at war with our flesh, the world, and the enemy, right? Those things are always ever-present. Paul, one of my favorite verses, I identify with 721 in Romans. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another law at work within me that is at war with my mind. This law wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind I really want to obey God's law but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Now that Paul's talking about in chapter 80, he talks about being filled with the Spirit. 
And you have the Holy Spirit to help you overcome that temptation, overcome that. So you're not a slave to sin anymore. But the battle's still there, right? How many experience that battle every day? There's always temptation. There's always things around you. The Holy Spirit helps you to yield away from that. But we continue to struggle. That's always there. It's always present. The battle always rages on. Galatians 5.17 says, This old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from from what the sinful nature desires. There are two forces that are constantly fighting each other, and your choices are never free from this conflict. But when you're directed by the Holy Spirit, you are no, no longer subject to the law. We had a, a marvelous time of worship, I think. I think it went well. Yeah. And I, I felt like a lot of people, most of you were entering in, and you felt God's presence, and you were able really to worship. And I bet during that time, the enemy wasn't really beating you up. You just felt you were in God's presence, and God was really moving. And all the things, your flesh, the world, and the enemy, they were all outside, and it was just you and God. Imagine being like that all the time. Not having any struggle with your sinful nature, not having any struggle with thoughts or, or what the world is doing, no struggle with all the stuff that's going on, but you're in a perfect place with God all the time. We mentioned earlier that it's not, a, it's not one long church service. Heaven isn't one long church service. But the presence and the emotions you felt during your worship time today That is what you're going to be able to walk around in 100% of the time in heaven. Just having that perfect communion with God. But I bet as soon as we leave today, something's going to happen to test you. Because our greatest battles are right after our greatest victories. But when we feel the presence of God, we know that our actions are totally in line with God's will and we feel blessed in that position. And in heaven, it's gonna be like that all the time. First Corinthians 15, 44, they are natural bodies now, but when they are raised, they will be spiritual bodies. Your life will be totally governed by the Holy Spirit all the time. The enemy, selfish desires, are gonna be gone. We will experience the fruit of the Spirit without any hindrances or limitations. How many here can say they have perfect love, joy, peace, and patience all the time? Actually, you won't need self-control or patience while you're there in heaven, but you'll be able to exhibit the love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness in heaven perfectly. There will be no more defeat, no more temptations, no more sin. Your life will be what we want it to be now. We pray that our our lives are full of the Holy Spirit, directed by God's wisdom, doing God's will. And it's a struggle every day. Pray that every day. God tells us to pray, continue to pray for that. And the more you do that, the more you're able to live that manner. But if you don't do that, you don't pray, you don't keep up on God's word, the enemy has a, a bigger role in your life. I told the teens once, maybe I shared it here, it's like the old cartoon, devil, Angel, there's always a struggle. The one you feed is the one who wins. If you feed the Holy Spirit, the enemy gets smaller. If you feed the enemy, 
Holy Spirit gets smaller. Battle's always there, but when we're in heaven, won't be. The last thought I have. What are things in your physical body right now that are issues that you struggle with? High blood pressure, diabetes, arthritis, bad knees, bad attitudes, depression, discouragement. The list of ailments goes on forever. If you're a younger person, cheer up. It's coming. It's a coming. If you're older, you know what I'm talking about. The thing with teenagers and young people is they think they're indestructible. They think they're never going to die. And they live that way. But as we get older, we realize that we're not indestructible. And the time that we get from point A to point B is shorter and shorter every year. The point is these physical bodies, no matter how long medicine and science can keep you going, you're going to get to the point where your body doesn't work anymore and God's going to call you home. Psalm 90 verse 10 says, 70 years are given to us. Some may even reach 80. We've got some folks that are older than 80 in here. There you go. But even the best of these years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they will disappear and we are gone. A university student asked Billy Graham once, what's the, greatest you, what's the greatest surprise you have found out about life? And Billy Graham said, the brevity of it. Time moves so quickly and no matter who we are or what we have done, the time will come when our lives will be over. The reason we're talking about heaven, a lot of people think it's way out there. I got a lot of time. So I'll worry about that when I get older, when I get sicker. But no one's guaranteed we're going to have tomorrow. So if you want to have this stuff, you want to have the perfect body, the perfect peace, all that stuff, that's available. But you've got to make the choice now to do that. Time will go quickly. And for those of you who are older, those of us who are older, you look back in your life and you wonder where those last 30, 40 years went. I'm going to close with a poem that I've read before maybe. It says, when I was a babe and wept, time crept. When I was a boy and laughed and talked, time walked. Then when the years saw me a man, time ran. But as I grew, as I older grew, time flew. Soon as I journey on, I'll find time gone. And we miss this last verse. May Christ have saved my soul by then. Amen. Heaven is an awesome place. None of us want to go there right now. But it's a place we have to prepare for. We have to be ready for it. Be excited about it, actually. That God gives us 70, 80, 90 years here. We enjoy those. God gave it to us. We enjoy those, but we know that that's not all there is to it. I've said before, if you believe in Christ, earth is the closest you're going to get to hell. If you're not a believer, you don't trust Christ, earth is the closest you're going to get to heaven. Would you stand as we close this morning?
Would you bow your heads for a moment and close your eyes? I never want to make the assumption that everyone here has trusted Christ as their Savior. And maybe that's you. And maybe you've thought about eternity. Maybe you're facing that situation now or maybe you haven't thought about it at all. I believe the Bible says there's nothing by accident. Everything is divinely appointed. The reason that you're here is because you needed to hear something or see something or sing something that was here today for you. God orchestrates things to get your attention so that your heart and your mind and your spirit are open to the things of God. And whether that's to know him personally as a savior or maybe God's just speaking to your heart about something personal in your life, everything God uses is for a purpose. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you've never confessed your sins, asking for forgiveness, thereby guaranteeing your spot in heaven. And that's you. And you feel God tugging on your heart. That's because the Bible says He is tugging on your heart. The Bible says no one comes to God unless the Spirit of God draws him. That means if you're thinking about it, that's because God is making you think about it. But the choice is still yours. If you've never trusted Christ, you want to have a clean slate, you want to have your life forgiven, washed clean, the Bible says, white as snow. You have a relationship with Christ personally. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. If you're at home and you've trusted Christ, I'm going to pray with you. And then I'll close the service in prayer. Father, for those that are watching, I just pray your hand upon them right now as they confess their sins to you, asking for your forgiveness, which your word says you freely give. You freely give it, Lord. And once they confess it and repent, and accept Christ, the Bible says they're a new creature. You're a new person in God. The old person is gone, the new person has come. And Father, I pray for those who are in our presence this morning in the building, that God, you would continue to fill them with your spirit. Fill us with the excitement that we get, not only for what's in heaven, but what God, you can do and accomplish here on earth while we're here. As we spend time worshiping you this morning, Lord, we sense your presence. We know your presence is here. And we, as we go throughout the day, we can really sense your presence as well. If we tune ourselves into you and let the Spirit of God control our, our thoughts and our actions, we can have that throughout the day. And I pray that each person here would really receive all that you have for them today, anoint them to, to fill themselves with your word, fill themselves with whatever we may have sung that really ministered to them today, or maybe someone prayed with them or talked to them. Lord, I pray that everything we do in this service, every person, Lord, has an integral part of what you want to accomplish in this section of Dover. And I pray that all that we do is to bring you glory, to introduce people to Jesus, and to encourage people in their walk with Jesus. And Father, we will thank you
Because once we get to heaven, Lord, we will know, we expect, and we want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your reward. And Father, we want those who we know to be with us. So help us to share that. Help us to get that good news out to people. Help us to relay our testimony of what, God, you've done for us to those we know who don't know you and allow their lives to be transformed by the power of God. Now, Lord, bless us as we leave this morning. Fill us with your spirit. Give us your wisdom and direction. And we'll be careful to thank you for all of it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a tremendous week. See you Wednesday night, our continuing study on angels. It's a really great study. We want to continue that this Wednesday night, 6.30.